Revelation chapter 9. I forgot to plug in my tablet. I realized that at 5.10, 5.15 today, where all my sermons are. And so I charged it for however much I had. Gave me about 20%. But luckily for you folks, I can just wing it if I have to. So, <laughs> Revelation chapter 9. <clears throat> we are uh, continuing this section on the seven trumpets. And we started this uh, a couple weeks ago, and last week in particular, we were really focusing on that fifth trumpet, and this is a very confusing section of Revelation. Uh, So we are on trumpets uh, five and six, we'll get to six tonight maybe, but trumpet five, and we spent all of our time last week talking about that fifth trumpet and what's going to happen but since it is a confusing sec- confusing section, we need to recap a little bit. So, so just follow along, kind of. I won't read every verse, but, but just remember that when the angel blows the fifth trumpet, you see this star that's going to fall. So we have a star, and it's falling from heaven in order to unlock, open the bottomless pit. And what comes out of the bottomless pit, do we remember? Locusts. We get some locusts coming out of the bottomless pit, but these are special locusts. They're not just locusts. So let's backtrack. Uh, This falling star, remember it didn't refer to it as an it. It referred to it as a he. So who did we say the fallen star is? Everybody remember? Yeah, so that's Satan. And so Satan uh, goes down and he is given the keys. So remember Satan has no authority of his own. He has no power of his own. It's granted to him from God to open the bottomless pit or the abyss, whatever your translation says, and he unleashes these locusts upon the earth. Now, what was special about the locusts? They're not literal locusts. What are they? Demons, that's right. Good job, guys. They're demons, right? So, we learned this last week. You look at the descriptions, and, and they're not literal uh, locusts because, I mean, just look at how they're described here. Uh, they're not literal, but they're this swarm of demons that are coming out. And uh, I don't know how to draw this, but with the locusts, something like this, there's, that's, uh, that's a smoke. It looks more like a smog cloud. <laughs> Called to be a pastor, not an artist. Just trying to help. So... This, this smoke also rises with the locusts, and we said that this is uh, to, it's a spiritual aspect here. The smoke is darkening things, right? So like when a room fills up with smoke, you can't see anything, your eyes hurt, you have to shut your eyes. So the smoke that comes with these demons, they are darkening the minds of unbelievers. Because remember, the locust demons, they only target unbelievers. They don't touch any Christian It says, only those who do not have the seal of God on them. So anybody who's not a Christian, they are targeted by these locust demons. And the smoke comes with them. And that smoke is darkening the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the glorious light of the gospel of Christ. So they are keeping people in spiritual darkness. Now, we'll elaborate on that in a second. But but here's my question to you. Do you remember why... It was appropriate for the Bible to describe these things as locusts. Because you're looking at these, you're like, okay, well, it's got the face of a human, but it's dressed like a horse ready for battle. And it's also got woman's hair and a tail like a scorpion. And yet, 
you look at that, I would never describe it as a locust, but the Bible does. Why is it appropriate that they're described as locusts? Anybody remember? What do locusts eat? They eat what? A harvest, right? Locusts eat a harvest. They're destructive animals that come to the harvest fields to destroy them, to eat them up, right? Well, do you remember what Jesus said? When he looked out at the world, he said, the what is ripe for picking. What do you say? The harvest is plentiful, right? The harvest is plentiful. The problem is we don't have any labor. So Jesus looks at the world. He sees this great big harvest, and he says, all right, it's ready. You know, go out and pick it. And at the same time, Satan sends his demons to the same harvest. And so you have one thing. I, I don't, I'm not going to take the time, but let's just let's pretend these are the harvest fields, okay? These are the harvest fields, and you have two groups of people who are simultaneously headed for these harvest fields. You have the Christians who are called to go and reap the harvest for the Lord, and at the same time, you have these demonic forces sent from Satan to go and destroy the harvest before the Christians get there, to take that which the Lord would have as his own. So that's the situation we're dealing with, and we're saying that these demons are being unleashed, they're, they're coming with them, this smoke, these fogs, and they have these, these tails, you remember the tails, they're like scorpion tails, and it stings people, and we were saying that it's, it's not like a physical harm, because when the, the locusts from Trumpet 5 are released, they're not killing people, they're tormenting people, and we said it's this psychological, spiritual, mental, emotional torment that they're experiencing, and they're, the, the torment is such that they long to die. Do you remember that? They look for death, they're seeking death, they want to die, but the ironic part was what? Death escapes, escapes them because we learn, actually, they're afraid of it. And that's what we see in our world so often is that people are depressed, they want to die, they don't want to keep on living, and yet at the same time there's this great irony that so many people who want to die are afraid of death. And exactly what the Bible is saying here. They're seeking death, they long for death, but death escapes them. And so we see that they're just tormenting all of humanity. And so what, what you're seeing here when the smoke rises with them is, is that you, you see all the effects that are present in our world today. You remember what we said, you know, this is something that you can actually see today. Um, for instance, yeah, disinformation, uh, that keeps people in the dark. Um, a couple of examples we said last week is, you know, I was thinking about a gay pride rally, gay pride parade, people marching and, and, and supporting these, this, this thing that the Bible calls an abomination. It's literally sin that's being celebrated. And I was saying, when you see that, the Bible says what you're actually looking at is a swarm of locusts, a, a whole horde of locusts that have descended upon the earth to destroy the harvest of God and to keep people in darkness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Name the sea. Right. That 
that's a prime example. When, when you look in the world and you see other things like, uh, like, I mean, even the education system, which we've gone on about before, too, uh, with what they're teaching, what they're not teaching, what they're putting and pushing today, that's the smoke coming from the abyss that keeps people in spiritual darkness and keeps them from seeing the glorious light of the gospel. That's literally what you're seeing there. I mean, when you see people who are, like, marching for, for abortion rights and things like that, or you, you see these gay pride parades where I, I've told you before there was this, this trans parade going on, and they were literally saying, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children, just chanting it. And you look at that, and if you're looking at that, and you, you, you're looking from a worldly perspective, you say, okay, I may or may not agree with it, but, you know, to each their own. But as a Christian, you're like, there's the swarm of demons, that's... Those are the ones coming from the abyss. They're, they're here on earth. They're a destructive force. They're coming to the harvest fields. And it's distorting what people are understanding today and keeping them in spiritual darkness. And so this is stuff that we're already seeing in our world today. It doesn't look like a locust like you would imagine. But remember, as we started Revelation, we said that Revelation is a picture book that's trying to give us a new way to view reality through the lens of God. And so it's not just like, okay, we're going to dissect everything. It's like, learn to view the world in terms of a story, in a picture book, where there are actual evil forces present in our world today that are seeking to do real harm in this world. And so the question that I want to pose as we're starting, going to get into verse 7 here in a second, is when does all this occur? So all this that we talked about, when does it occur? Happening now? Okay. I would agree with you 100%, Doug. Here's my question. Because there are those who would disagree with me, which is fine. We've said it the whole time through Revelation, we can disagree, but we all love Jesus, so that's what matters. Is there a way to prove from this passage that this is already taking place right now today? Apart from me trying to give you real-world application examples based on my understanding of the text. Is there a way to actually look in this, this passage and say, this is happening now. It started a long time ago, I would argue, in the ministry of Jesus and continues to happen today. Can you do that? How so, Doug? Okay. Can anyone point me to a verse in chapter 9 where you say, this is a pretty key indication that this is already happening? That this started a long time ago, it's happening today. I'm going to give you, it's not a hint, it's just an answer. What does verse 1 say? The star falling. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second. If the star is Satan... Do we all agree it's Satan? We don't have to all agree, but I think pretty consensus would say it's Satan. Star falls. Here's my question. Has Satan already fallen from heaven? Happened a long time ago, right? I mean, in Jesus' ministry, right? When, when the, the, the apostles are coming back and they're like, oh, this is amazing. We did this and did that. And Jesus says, I saw Satan. Falling from heaven like lightning. Happened a long, long time ago. So if the fall of Satan has already happened, 
And it says that after this star falls, he opens the abyss. I think there's a clear indication in the text that this started a long time ago and continues today. And I argue it will continue on until Jesus returns. It will only get worse, as we're going to see as we go throughout Revelation. But it started a long time ago. It continues to this day. Because, let me just remind you, uh, Satan is not in heaven. He's here on earth. I feel like we forget that sometimes as Christians, don't you think? I mean, we walk around like everything's all fine and dandy, like the greatest enemy of God who's ever existed isn't just walking around the earth somewhere. The Bible says he's prowling around like a lion seeking someone to devour. He's here on earth, probably not in easily. He, he can only be in one place at one time. Maybe Washington, D.C., I don't know. He's somewhere, but he's here on earth, not in heaven. He's already fallen, so, so we, I would say that this is happening now, and we're going to learn more about this in, in chapter 12 when it really talks about what Satan is up to during this time between Jesus' ascension and his return. But what we're going to learn from chapter 12 is one of the main things that he's doing is he's going around trying to cause as much trouble as he possibly can until Jesus returns. He knows that he's a defeated enemy. He knows that his kingdom will never prosper. He knows that he's been defeated. And so he's just trying to cause as much trouble as he possibly can until Jesus returns. And one of the ways that he does that is by unlocking the bottomless pit and unleashing this swarm of demons on the earth to torment people, to, to destroy the harvest of God and uh, try to thwart the plans of God. And so the question is, well, how do we recognize these demons? And this is where I want you to start looking at verse 7. How do we recognize these demons? Well, if you see something that looks like this. <laughs> verse 7, In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek is Apollyon. And so I think this description that you see here, uh, it goes to further prove that these are not literal locusts. Locusts, I don't know if you know this about, they don't have tails, uh, just one thing, but these do. So, so they're not literal. Also, uh, locusts don't usually have human faces and, and hair like women's hair. So these aren't literal locusts, but, but you have to understand what's, what's going on here is, is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John is seeing this vision and he's trying to communicate it the best he can. Uh, because, you know, sometimes something happens to you or you see something or experience something and it's just hard to put into words. And so oftentimes what you do is you relate how you feel or the impression that something left on you rather than a literal description, right? So uh, if you went to like an amusement park, you might not describe every ride, but you might say, man, I had the time of my life. I had so much fun while I was... You, you focus more on the impression that you had of the thing rather than all the details of the thing itself. So for instance, uh, I mean, just look at something like, like the tails, right? Uh, it's not a literal tail uh, of a scorpion, but like scorpions, 
these demons have the ability to inflict terrible pain on others. So John isn't saying, hey, these things, whatever they are, they have these literal tails. He's saying these things, like a scorpion, have the ability to inflict a lot of great pain on other people. And you might be thinking, well, why does he say it's a tail? Well, that's, that's how they did things back then. It's how we still do things today, right? Um, if I were to tell you, hey, my buddy, he's got a silver tongue. Anybody in here think that my buddy actually has a silver tongue? No. What am I saying? He's a smooth talker, right? I mean, this guy, he's like, and I actually do have a friend in mind. Uh, he does have a silver tongue like that. Or, you know, what if I said that uh, this other guy I know, he's got a forked tongue. Does he actually have a forked tongue? No, I'm saying he's deceitful. He, he can't really be trusted with the things that he says. I mean, we do this all the time. Silver tongue, forked tongue, heart of gold, cold shoulder, cold feet, sweet tooth, all ears. I mean, we do this with body parts all the time. Are we literally saying this person is just all ears? No, he's a good listener, right? That's what John's doing here. He's using something that he knows from his world, like a scorpion sting, and saying those things hurt. They have the ability to inflict pain. And these things, these demons, they do as well. So it's metaphorical. And he does this with all these descriptions, right? So they're like horses prepared for battle. Why? Because this swarm of demons is here to wage war on humanity. That's how you would describe it back then. If your primary means of going into war was a war horse that's battle armored on it, you'd say, okay, whatever this thing is, the swarm of demons, they're ready for war. They're kind of like horses like that. You go on and you see they have these golden crowns. What, what would that be trying to communicate, you think? Golden crowns. Yeah, that's good. So he sees golden crowns because these things, these locusts, have been given the authority to go and harm humanity. So they're representative of the authority they have to go and inflict this pain and this torture upon humanity. And then notice this, these locusts, demons, they also have human faces and hair like women's hair. What would that be trying to communicate? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, we, we said this a couple weeks ago, but if you were to ask Hollywood, what's the devil look like? They're going to draw like a red guy with some horns and a forked tail and a pitchfork and everything, and like, that's, that's not what he looks like, you know? Or if you were to ask us, like, hey, what does a demon look like? We might draw a monster of some kind. And John says, actually, I'm looking at these things. They've got human faces and some beautiful hair. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Not like that. Not, not, not like that. But like Michael said, basically the idea is these things look like everybody else does. You know, they're hard to distinguish. We've got this idea of a monster, and so as we're going in our lives, we're thinking as long as I don't come in contact with a monster as I typically think of one, I'm good. And John's saying, actually, these demons are here present on earth, and they could look just like we do. You could be interacting with one, that's right, you could be interacting with one, and they could be seeking to cause you the type of pain that we read about here, seeking to torment you and cause you all sorts of psychological, mental, and spiritual torture. And then he goes on, and he says, their teeth, 
are like lion's teeth. And that's a way of pretty much communicating the idea that the destructive uh, nature of their mouths. Basically, they use their words to kill and inflict spiritual, mental, and psychological pain on others. I mean, it, you would say that this person, uh, he, he's, he's just, he uses his mouth for evil to cause pain for others. They're their teeth. They're like lion's teeth in that regard. And again, he says, uh, talking about the breastplate to show that they're ready for war and battle. And the scorpion tail is a way to talk about the fact that they're here to inflict this, this pain on other people and cause them great torment. And we learn that they are under the authority of another, right? It says that there is a king over them, and that king is the angel of the bottomless pit. And his name in Greek is Apollyon. And in Hebrew, it's Abaddon. And in both these names, I mean, just roughly translated uh, into English, they would mean destroyer. So um, it's really cool right now. I'm getting to read uh, The Pilgrim's Progress with my oldest son, the one who was pitching a temper tantrum earlier. Uh, and it's a kid's version of The Pilgrim's Progress. And so it's a picture book and everything. It's one of my favorite stories. And we're getting to read it. And the other night, we got to the section where Christian, the main character, encounters Apollyon, who's a dragon in the story. And uh, Christian is coming from the city of destruction, and he learns in that moment that the dragon, Apollyon, is the king of the city of destruction because he is the destroyer. And so Judah was thinking it was so cool to see Christian fight this dragon and slay him and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, buddy, do you know that's in the Bible? And he's like, yeah, that's in the Bible. So we got to have a really cool story about that. But uh, both of these are just references, again, to Satan. These are, these are names uh, that would be associated with Satan. And what's interesting is, in particular, uh, if you look there, the word Abaddon. So you'll find that all throughout the, the Old Testament. And what's interesting is Abaddon, in the Old Testament, it normally refers to the place of death. So it's kind of uh, like a, a similar uh, case to Sheol, uh, the place, the realm of the dead. So Abaddon, all throughout the Old Testament, it refers to the place of the dead. And so what you have here is this terrifying picture where in the mindset of those who are reading this in the original languages, it looks like death has come to life. The place of the dead has now been personified in this person. So you have Satan here who is the king of the abyss. And the terrifying picture is as you finally are introduced to the king of the abyss or the king of the bottomless pit, and he has this name that refers to the place of the dead. It looks like coming from this place is death personified. And coming with him is a swarm of demons that are come to inflict and torment humanity. So this terrifying picture is what we're met with here. And uh, I, I just want to remind you that as they're coming, the only people who are safe are those who are sealed by God. And so uh, we get into the sixth trumpet, and I want you to start looking there at, at verse 12. We'll read through this pretty quickly. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. The sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year, 
were released to kill. So notice there's a progression. We're going from torment to now we're killing a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision, those who rode them. Uh, They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur. And the heads of the horses were like lion's heads. And fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. By the fire, the smoke, and the sulfur coming out of their mouth. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads. And by means of them, they wound. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor did they give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. So I want you to notice how these, this woe here, it's very similar to the horde of locusts, right? You have another uh, group of beings coming out, this time horses with riders on them, and they have been given the, the right, the ability to unleash three plagues upon humanity, and by these plagues, a third of humanity will die. And like the locusts, the horse's power is in their mouths and in their tails, and they use them to inflict pain and suffering and now death upon humanity. So, we could get bogged down in the details, But since it's so similar to the locust, we don't need to. Here's what you need to focus on is verses 20 and 21. Because notice what happened, right? Verses 20 and 21, that's the important part to focus on. The plagues are supposed to, in some way, be a warning to the rest of the world. The demons unleash these plagues, and they cause unbelievers to die. And the rest of the world is meant to see what happens to those who do not repent of their sins, who do not trust in Christ, and they are to respond with repentance and faith. But what does the Bible say happens here? It says the rest of the world, even after seeing what will happen to those who do not turn, they refuse to turn from their sins and trust in Christ. They refuse to give up worshiping false gods and idols. They refuse to repent of all of their sins They see what will happen, and yet they continue in their sinful ways. That's the part you've got to focus on. Because that's the part that's mind-blowing, is it not? I mean, no one else would do this, right? Like, if you see people reach... Imagine the first person who ever sees a fire, and the the guy just reaches his hand in there, and you're watching, and immediately the dude gets burned. Are you going to go and stick your hand in there at that point? No. You'd be like, okay, I saw what happened. That's not for me, right? Didn't look fun. I don't want any part of that. You, you learn from what happens to other people, but you see the world here. You see the unbelievers here. They see what happens to those who die apart from Christ, and yet they do not turn. They continue to deny God. And so here's what I want you to take away from this. As we, as we look at this, the first thing I want you to notice is that God takes sin very seriously. I know that we tend to downplay it, We can be lax on sin, but God is not. God hates sin, and he will leave no sin unpunished. If he leaves even one sin unpunished, he is not a just God, right? No sin will go unpunished. And so these verses, when you look at the horrific consequences of your sin and remaining in your sin, it should call you to repentance, to turn from your sins, to stop taking them lightly, to stop playing around with them 
to put your sin to death in your life. And then to turn to faith in Christ. Because this swarm of demons, as we've already said, they're already on the loose. Right? They're coming for each and every person who is not sealed by God. And that should cause us to see how terrible sin is and the consequences of that sin. And listen, it's only going to get worse because they think that's bad. Then you die, and guess what happens then? Then comes the judgment. And then you stand before the Father, and you see the Son, and the Son says, I never knew you. Depart from me. Denies you in front of the Father, and then you go into eternal torment. And you never get used to it. You know how sometimes you get used to pain? In hell, you never get used to it. It is eternal torment, nonstop, for all of eternity. That's what this passage is warning us of. But then... My call to the Christians tonight is to reap the harvest before it's destroyed. So this passage should should help you see the consequences of sin, the severity of sin. But then there's an urgent call here for Christians to get active. Because you look at this passage and you see that the Lord has already said, hey, the harvest is ready. I just need some laborers. I need some people who are going to go and reap the harvest. And at the same time, you see that Satan, the enemy of God, has said, we can get there first. He sends the swarm of demons out to the harvest fields to try to get the unbelievers before they can be converted to Christ and receive his seal. And so the question is, well, well, who's going to get there first? It's a call for Christians to wake up and realize that there are literal, actual people who are going to be attacked by these demons unless they have the seal of God. And God's means of securing the harvest fields and reaping the harvest is his followers. You know, we, we talk about all the time, well, what happens to those who never have a chance to hear the gospel? There's actually going to be a great podcast episode on that, releasing next week if you want to listen to that. But what happens to those who never hear the gospel? And, and what gets me is I'm saying, you know, people will look at that and they'll go, well, God's unjust, God's evil, because he sent people to hell who had never even had the opportunity to hear. And I'm going, God's not evil, Christians are lazy. It's not God's problem. He already came up with a solution. Did Jesus not say, go and make disciples of all nations? He's told us what to do. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the gospel. He's given us our calling orders. God's not at fault here. It's us. The problem is we don't actually have a heart for the lost. We don't actually have that burden to go and reach them. We just sit back and say, hey, I'm going to heaven, so what does it matter to me? There's a call here to say, get up, get active, Go tell people about Jesus and get the gospel out there. Because there are people who are going to die in their sins apart from Christ, and this is the fate they will meet. There's a harvest out there, church. It's ready. The question is, who's going to get there first? That's all we got for tonight, and uh, that's all my tablet has for tonight. (laughs) Michael Stevenson, give us a word of wisdom as we close.